It's the Daily Dispatch in discussion with Darren Mann. Big story on dispatchlive.co.za at the moment. A 10-year wait at Freer Hospital and others for patients requiring orthopaedic surgery, for example. The shadow MEC for Health in the Eastern Cape from the official opposition, Jane Cowley, joining us now. It's a very, very startling story, Jane. Thanks for joining us. What uh, what has caused this? Good morning, Darren, and thanks very much for having me on the show. Yes, uh, there are many causes, and um, it's, a, it's a result of uh, financial mismanagement on a grand scale for a very long time. One of the biggest factors, of course, is the fact that the Department of Health has had to pay out many claimants for medico-legal claims over the years. And they just have, the cost of these medico-legal claims has literally spiraled out of control. Whilst they have put measures in place to to curb um, these expenses, it's going to be a very long time before they actually have cash flow again. So they are factually bankrupt. And then what happens is when there is a successful claim against them, they have to steal money from operational budgets to settle these claims. And hence the hospitals have been absolutely decimated by this lack of budget for operational, you know, for, for operational budget. And unfortunately, um, they've not been able to pay suppliers either. So suppliers on a grand scale have said, we cannot supply you with um, surgical equipment and implants anymore because you owe us so much money. So it's a real mess. And it's a very, very sad story because at the end of the day, the patients are the ones that suffer. We have identified Freer Hospital as one of the hospitals that are affected, but there are others as well. Yes, um, I think most of the hospitals are affected to one degree or another. I know that Livingston also has a very long waiting list. And in fact, their orthopedic department sent out a letter to patients early in March to say, we are simply, we simply cannot help you. We are terribly sorry, but we do not have the tools of trade to help you. And if we were to try and help you, um, our efforts would be less than, than than satisfactory, and you may have long term or permanent um, damage. So, and they also said in that letter, "Are oh, we very sorry, but we cannot even refer you elsewhere. They don't have the mandate to do that, unfortunately." So, it's Livingston as well, and I think several other hospitals across the province. I did ask a very specific question in terms of Frey Hospital because and Livingston because I do get lots of um, patients contacting me from the bigger centres saying please, can you help us? You know, we've been waiting for this, waiting for that. And it impacts on lives and livelihoods in a terrible way. There are people who cannot do their job of work because they haven't had surgery. And so it's a downstream effect that the people that they employ, you know, Mm. uh, lose their work. So the the, the impact is devastating. Now, the orthopedic procedures, waiting lists as long as 10 years, 1,600 people, they've been highlighted, but from the sounds of things, it goes beyond just the orthopedics. Suppliers aren't being paid, other procedures being affected. What do people do now who, who need the public health system? Well, this is the devastating thing because there's very little that these people can do. Keep in mind that state health is there for those who cannot afford private medical care. So these are people who are readily financially on the back foot, let us say. They do not have the resources to travel elsewhere for, for surgery. Um, and the other hospital, you know, nationally we have a, a crisis in health. I know that the Gauteng um, province is also really, really struggling with terrible backlogs. Um, and, of course, Western Cape is inundated with people coming from other provinces. So it is really a national crisis. Um, 
And and what does one do? Um, what I've said is that we really need the health ombud to to get involved and intervene. You know, last year, Darren, um, in end of May, beginning of June, we had a sitting in the legislature, and I put a motion to the house to say that the the, the suppliers to the Department of Health must have their debts settled with immediate effect, so that the backlogs can be addressed. Because already then it was a massive issue. There were amputations happening in Livingston because patients had complications from the long waits. And, you know, this is just one of the terrible consequences of these backlogs. And that motion to the House was unanimously adopted. Needless to say, nothing has happened. So, of course, we are following up with the Speaker as well to make sure that something, you know, something happens and that the Treasury puts pressure on the Department of Health to settle those debts. Because only once those debts are settled to suppliers are we going to see some form of progress. Um, Another thing we've said is we will always advocate for them to please be in communication with the private sector because for those critical, critical patients, there may very well be doctors in the private sector who, who will do the work pro bono, but they won't know until they approach them and, and have that conversation with them. What about the idea that all elected officials, I'm, tr- I'm looking for a solution here, yep. all elected officials, municipal, provincial, national level, everyone has been elected by the public is required to use the health service that they created for the populace. So if you're an elected official, you have to use public health, you have to use public education, and so on or so on. I reckon that'd sort the inertia out, wouldn't it? (laughs) (laughs) I think you might have hit on something very good there, very interesting. I think you'd see a drama of note um, and a flat panic, quite frankly, because yes, whilst everyone advocates in in the public space for state health and state education and how marvellous they all are, they'd suddenly change their tune if their children or their families were forced or obligated to use the same service. Yeah, I reckon so, I reckon yeah. the bottlenecks and the blockages would be sorted out overnight. Very, very quickly. I couldn't agree with you more. <laughs> what sort of interaction have you had with um, the minister and uh, the officials, head of department in, in health? Are you liaising with them? Are, are genuine solutions being found or are solutions that have genuine intent behind them being found? You know, well, well, as the Health Portfolio Committee, we do liaise with the HOD and the MEC as regularly as we are uh, as we are able. Um, keep in mind that we can only meet with them when, um, you know, when we have when it's worked into the program of the legislature. So obviously, we would love more interaction with them. Um, but it's not always possible. So we do interact on a fairly regular basis with them. And, of course, we raise all of these issues with them sort of ad nauseum. Yes, they are, they are definitely trying very hard to resolve the issue on the one hand. However, I feel there's a distinct lack of understanding of the budget. And I'll explain to you why I say this. They are very quick to fill posts of people such as um, personal personal assistants to directors and assistant directors and assistant deputy directors. There are more directors floating around in the Department of Health than there are, I don't know, hairs on a camel's back. It is <laughs> unbelievable how fast they can spend money on filling posts that do not speak directly to the medical crisis that's going on in our province. We have a massively overbloated administration. For example, last year, Darren, our budget was about 26,4 billion. Um, keep in mind that we had to settle accruals of about 4 billion, which left us with a working budget of about 22 billion, yeah. of which 17,9 billion was spent on cost of employment. Now, whilst that also includes doctors, nurses, da 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 da, da 
a huge percentage of that goes to non-medical staff, in other words, officials. And there are so many officials that they become so bloated that they are absolutely incapable of, of doing anything. It's just trying to move trying to move a mountain to get action out of them because it's so bloated and so vast and and nobody accounts because there's so many people that, you know, it's always somebody else's fault. The buck never stops with any of the directors, assistant directors, deputy assistant directors, and so on and so forth. So unfortunately, they've created this monster and this monster comes at a heck of a cost to to the ratepayers and the taxpayers. And unfortunately, the side that actually deals on, you know, at the coalface of medicine, in the hospitals, mm. in the clinics, those are the people that have really, really been hamstrung by this, by this massive, massive administration. And they are left with barely any tools of trade to do the work that they are there to do. I'm just doing some sums here. So about 22 billion was left over after the uh, backlogs had been sorted out. And of that, almost 18 billion went to em- employees and, and yes, it was about salaries. 80%. Yeah, it was about 80% of the remaining salary went on to on to salaries. That is insane. Insane. And this year will be no better because although the budget has gone up to 28 billion in the interim the 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 administration has grown further and of course we're still sitting with the same backlogs we're still sitting with accruals and payables in excess of four billion rand by the end of of march this year which has to be settled in the new financial year which started this week on the first or last week on the first of april so it's the same story all over again what possible recourse do patients or potential patients have at their disposal is there nothing at all that can be done well, there is recourse. I mean, they could go the legal route, I suppose. And, you know, I mean, for those who suffer permanent damage, I suppose there's always the opportunity to claim. And, you know, medical legal claims are the things that brought this department down in the beginning because of negligence and gross negligence. I don't know if one can claim gross negligence when doctors are desperate to help the patients. They just don't have the tools of trade. Um the alternatives, there are very few. Um, we've got to do, you know, keep up the pressure, obviously, politically, and 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 really drive this issue in the in the public arena. But I, I I don't even know what to advise patients. I suppose if they had family in the Western Cape and could possibly get onto a list there, I don't know. But I know their backlogs are enormous as well because people have done that already. Um, you know, I think the best thing here is to try and have some form of understanding, perhaps with the private sector, just to deal with those critical cases that may land up having permanent damage because of the backlogs. If we can get those out of the way, and then hopefully the cash flow situation, now that the Department of Health has uh, they've gone to court to try and secure a different form of payment for medical legal claims, which will be less burdensome because in the past they had to pay out lump sums to the claimants of sometimes 15, 20 million rand um, per claimant. Now I think what has happened is they've been able to secure uh, a way of paying them off over time. So they'll get an annual payment over time and then the department themselves have to care for them and give them all the necessary treatments because most of these patients who've claimed against the department are uh, cerebral palsied 
patients who've had complications at birth because of delays in birth and so forth. So um, now that they've secured this other form of payment, which will be sort of you know annual payments for the the the, the life of the patient, and and giving them the necessary services and and support that they need at our centres of excellence, which they've started across the province, um, they might. This might improve the cash flow. And if that happens, then, of course, operational budgets for hospitals will be less, um, you know, they'll be less uh, uh, impacted. Mm. So hopefully then more surgeries will then be able to take place. Seems like a problem which isn't going to resolve itself overnight. And uh, you feel enormous sympathy for for patients who have medical emergencies or, or critical procedures that need to be done. We'll keep on trying to find solutions, of course, because at the end of the day, we, you know, um, it's a constitutional right for every person in this country to have access to adequate health care. And at the moment, it is certainly not adequate. So we will keep finding, you know, looking for solutions and following every possible avenue that we can to try and and resolve the situation. Thank you for joining us on uh, the Daily Dispatch in discussion today. Shadow MEC for Health in the Eastern Cape, Jane Cowley. Thanks so much, Darren. That was the Daily Dispatch in discussion with Darren Mann.